Gaming the System, the number one podcast for gaming addiction, brought to you by Game Quitters. We use research-backed information to provide you with helpful solutions to gaming disorder, as well as shedding light on some of the most pressing matters in the video game industry every single week. We'll also feature guests who are former gaming addicts and have gone on to game the system, creating a life for themselves outside of the virtual world. Thanks for listening. Today's episode of Gaming the System is one you really don't want to miss. Former podcast guest and Game Quitters veteran Jared has come on to talk about his journey from a gaming addict, neglecting his family and fitness, becoming an incredibly successful father, friend, and get this, an ultra marathon runner. Running no more than two hours a week when he started on this path, to having just run a 100 miles or 160 kilometers, ultra marathon, up mountains and through valleys, in the Hubert 100. He's led an incredible life since quitting gaming, but it hasn't been without its struggles. Make sure you listen to the whole thing because there's great advice for everyone. Whether you're a gaming addict just starting out, or a parent or partner of a loved one who might be suffering from gaming addiction, it's impossible not to listen to this story and feel a sense of hope. Without further ado, let's jump right in. How are you doing, Jared? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. And uh, I assume if you do pass out, um, the podcast will just go silent. So I'll try <laughs> and start singing or something for the, for the listeners. Yeah, you can you can carry it as a one-man show. It's been just over two years, I think two years and one month almost to the day that you were on the last podcast. Give an idea of what the average day was like for you back then, for those people who haven't seen the episode yet. Uh, so the average wait, average day for me during the detox or afterwards? Before, afterwards, and then compare it to now. Okay, so um, pretty much before I went through the detox, um, my life pretty much consisted of just going to work, coming home, and um, playing games or consuming content of some description, um, whether that be videos or surfing the web and that kind of stuff. Um, and what really kicked me off to do the detox is uh, I really felt like I was wasting my potential, I guess. That's what started me to get frustrated with it. And um, then that was compounded by when I, yeah, I had my son. Um, and I realised that essentially I wasn't spending any time with him because I was choosing to sit on the computer all day. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back to really do something about it. Um, during the detox, uh, I spent a lot of time focusing on trying to basically fill up the extra time you have during the day as everyone will know like once you do try to go cold cold turkey uh, you'll find that uh, you you have so many hours in the day that you don't know what to do with which I think causes a lot of people to think it's a bit too hard or to relapse back into their old ways Um, so I used to just try to fill it up with as many things as I could and um, turns out one of those things was running Um, so during the detox, I was only maybe running a couple hours uh, a week, maybe two, three hours a week, um, building up to a marathon. And um, that was helping me get out and about and change my environment. And, and that was one of the points I raised in the last podcast that uh, really the big thing is always trying to change my environment. And, uh, and yeah, since then, it's, it's just really taken off. So now I run, you know, two to three hours a day. Uh, and I've worked my way all the way up to a, an ultra marathon, just like you mentioned. So it's been a lot of changes. Yeah, that, that's super impressive. 
as someone who briefly got into the idea of doing marathons, the idea of running two to three hours a day <laughs> is just mind-blowing to me. It, it does seem pretty daunting until you get out there and do it. Um, just sitting and thinking about it probably feels like a lot, but um, once you're out there and you're in the zone um, and you got, you're in the flow, then uh, it, it feels like nothing. Yeah, I did a half marathon a couple of years ago and I vowed never to run again <laughs> after that. It's such a terrible experience on my own part. It was completely my fault. But yeah, not something I think I'll pursue anytime in the near future. Don't think running is for me. But if you could, can you give an idea of what caused you to go from uh, specifically turning that two to three hours a week of running into two to three hours a day? Uh, was there a mindset shift there? Yeah, no, it was. Um, it originally had a, had a target of um, when, because when my son was born, he spent uh, a month in uh, the intensive care unit and uh, the nurses there were so helpful and uh, I just was constantly blown away by uh, how um, forthcoming and how generous they were. Um, that I decided I had to go, I needed a way to give back to them and I spent a lot of time uh, trying to think out ways that I could give back to them and uh, on one of the last days we were at the hospital I saw uh, on a notice board they were forming a, a, a running team to try and fundraise um, for an organisation called um, Running for Premature Babies um, and so I just registered on that and set a goal of I wanted to raise something like $300, which was the cheapest piece of equipment they were trying to buy, uh, and end up raising like $1,500, um, which was uh, about half of a humidity crib, I think, in the end. So um, that's kind of what kicked me off. Um, it was very painful to begin with, but I do remember um, – Probably once I was in the in the half marathon, my first half marathon, or towards the end, I really felt it shift. As in, rather than having to really push myself to run, it just suddenly become part of my routine and and part of what I was doing. So I started looking at it quite differently. Um, and since I did that, then yeah, that's really where it started to take off. It's definitely a great reason to get into it. It's one I wasn't aware of that from listening to your original podcast. Do you think you'd ever have taken it up if you didn't quit gaming? Do you think you'd still be continuing that running habit today? No, I, I really don't think so. Um, when in my previous attempts to try and get involved in fitness, and uh, that was mostly more on the weights back in the day when I was playing a lot of games, but um, it when it came to the end of the day and you had to decide between going to do some exercise and sitting in front of a screen and just relaxing and switching your brain off, um, it always chose option B. So uh, I don't think that unless I was in the detox at that time that I really would have uh, taken up the running routine routine as passionately as I did. Um, and even now, like, there's, and, I, and I think having that training program as well to stick to, so the combination of really looking for ways to get away from the computer and change my environment and having a training plan I think combine those two really to just set me down the right path. One thing I do want to ask is after all this time, I think a few years at least since you quit gaming, do you still get cravings to play? Um, I do. Um, I think I do, but it, it's really important to understand the difference between um, cravings and nostalgia. Um, I initially didn't know the difference, so I would interpret 
um, nostalgia is a craving, therefore give in to that craving and, you know, that's when you you want to play games or watch videos of old school games um, or games that you used to play. Um, but Cam did a really good video of on nostalgia and understanding nostalgia. Um, and I just really watched that quite a few times and I think I've even got it saved on my phone. Um, and so every time I kind of get those feelings, I'll watch the video and, and you realise, okay, it, it, it's nostalgia and it's not bad to say that those experiences, those memories were good and fun, um, but that doesn't mean I've got to, you know, go and do it all again. Um, and I think by having understanding that means it's the cravings are just passing at best and don't have any impact. Yeah, nostalgia is such a huge factor for a lot of people as why they relapse and go back to gaming. At least it was for me. Listen to a lot of game soundtracks or I'd watch game YouTube videos. It's like you said, differentiating between nostalgia and a craving is something I never really considered. Uh, just because you have that feeling going back into the game of nostalgia doesn't mean you need to act on it. Something you touched upon quite a lot in the original episode was this idea of just creating space between you and the system when you felt those urges to play. Yeah. Uh, you'd go outside, go and do something else. And I think that's that's one of the most important things you do because we get a lot of questions about how I can deal with cravings and we tell them every time, just get away from your computer, get away from your Xbox, uh, do what you can, go and spend time with friends. And I think that's a huge factor in whether or not you're successful in the detox or whether you just go through that cycle of relapsing over and over again. And I think you did actually relapse once or twice, didn't you, during your game quitter's journey? Yeah, once. I did um, the one weekend when it was a long weekend and I felt like I had uh, no commitments, no work commitments, no study commitments. So I was like, oh, there's no harm in me spending a couple of days um, just unplugging and, and firing up some games. Um, I think I was about 22 days in. Um, and then I immediately regretted it when I realized I just wasted a whole weekend um, and got <laughs> back on the bandwagon straight away after that or back on the detox. There's nothing worse than that moment after the, the weekend is over or the day is over, looking back and thinking, where in the world did those hours go? They just disappear in the blink of an eye. There's so much you could do with that time. When you had this relapse, what was the driving force for you to get back on the bandwagon, hitch yourself back up and really take it seriously? Um, I think part of it really um, was the millionaire or not millionaire morning. And I didn't exactly read the millionaire morning, morning or follow it, but um, the principles are still the same. And after that long weekend, when I sat down and realized that I'd essentially just wasted uh, like four days um, and I then mapped out from there, basically what I wanted to achieve over the next couple of years uh, it really made you stop and, and think that I don't have any time to waste. Uh, I've got to use all this time that I have to either spend with my family or progress my pro personal and professional interests. So once I created um, that to-do list and then every morning uh, as I wake up uh, an hour earlier before everyone else, and even if it's just to sit down and to look at my goals or look at that to-do list, um, it really just constantly brings your mind back to I don't have any time to waste um, therefore I can't uh, and that's really what um, kept me you know on the straight and narrow and, and rather than going I oh, you know it doesn't matter if I lose half an hour there or an hour there um, but if you actually add them all up uh, that half an hour and the hours over a week you can you know achieve something else or 
um, really study that extra subject that you want to. Yeah, it's a great way of looking at it, like that minimal progress every single day eventually adds up to something huge. And uh, I think that applies to running as well quite a lot. But one thing I do want to touch on is this idea of living intentionally, which was a big factor, I think, in the past for you. Is that something that you still is that something you still follow? Can you kind of describe how you put this intention into your life and how you used it in your journey of quitting gaming? Yeah, um, I'll have to try and remember exactly what I said um, back in the podcast. But um, the main thing that I'll, I take away from it is, or, or my co- understanding of the concept is that um, understanding the intent of why you want to do and say things. Um, and a lot of it comes back, a lot of the area where I work on it now, uh, or my main focus area is communication and making sure that I'm communicating my intent and you're not trying to, you know, be ambiguous or be passive aggressive or um, those kind of things. But um, for the actual how your, your life is uh, or how you carry out in your life is um, I just think about when I'm doing a task, what what is the long-term goal or the long-term intent? Um, you know, uh, for example, if you're trying to, let's say you're trying to play games or you're trying to justify why you're trying to give in to your cravings, is what's, what is your actual intent behind that? And your actual intent might be is because you're trying to escape um, feelings of anxiety, feelings of loneliness, uh, feelings of lack of fulfilment. And if you actually attack those aspects and try and deal with those um, those feelings rather than trying to deal with the surface feelings of, oh, I just want a game because I can escape, um, that's where you really get a lot of personal development um, and, and really you get a lot of progress on, you know, trying to kick some of those, not just those cravings, but change a lot of things in your life. Um, so whenever I want to do or say anything now, essentially I just sit and think what is my underlying intent of what I want to achieve in my life or what I want to achieve with this particular scenario um, rather than, um, yeah, just working out what are the symptoms, I guess. I, I don't know if that explained it very well, but... Um, yeah, no, that's, that's brilliant, yeah. I think it's a great thing for people to learn about and realize about themselves, building this awareness about what they say and do and how it affects every single action and step they take in their lives. As we touched on with the goals, with the running, this isn't something that you can just do all at once. (laughs) This is another thing that I think people might get frustrated that they can't do it initially very well. But over time, if you start catching yourself in the moment, just try and be a bit more aware of what you're doing bit by bit, and you'll slowly start improving and well, as uh, as you can see, after a few years, you'll become an expert <laughs> like Jared. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing I want to do is I just want to take you back to when you decided to quit after the relapse. And if you put yourself in that moment, and I want you to think about how differently your life would be now if you didn't decide to quit again, if you just carried on gaming, carried on doing what you were doing. What do you think your life would be like now in terms of the relationship with your family, with the relationship with yourself? Because obviously raising a young kid, it's not the time that you want to be spending gaming. How do you think your life would be different? Oh, 
I mean, where do I even start? Uh, I think it'd be a, I'd be a completely different person. Um, at a minimum, uh, I wouldn't have finished my university studies because uh, I definitely was not prioritizing that as much as I should have. Um, so I was really struggling um, before I went through the the detox. Um, I've now successfully passed my um, uni degree with a credit average, so that's a good one. Um, I think my focus, the biggest difference to me is that if I look back over my path um, over the last two to three years has been that uh, right now I have a massive focus on personal development Um, and that's whether that be through listening to a lot of podcasts, doing a lot of meditation and reflection and a lot of reading, which I think has increased my self-awareness to the point where uh, I'm, I guess, a a lot less moody, a lot less emotional and um, a lot easier to interact with. Um, And I think prior to that, uh, and if I'd stayed with gaming, I wouldn't have given that focus at all because I always think, well, back then I was like, well, if you what need personal development, why don't you just go out and do it? Or if you read about these changes, why don't you just go out and do it? Obviously, it's not that easy, um, and I never put the effort into it. So that would be the biggest one is that I just, I I think I I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been as self-aware as I am now. And of course, naturally, I wouldn't be as fit as I'm, and healthy as I am now either. So I had some pretty bad eating habits back then. And even though I'm a relatively short, small guy, uh, I was carrying about 15, 10 to 15 kilos extra than I should have. So um, I think those two aspects at a minimum um, have, wouldn't have occurred and or at least wouldn't occur to the scale that I exp- I've experienced. Yeah, it's definitely quite a substantial <laughs> difference. But you mentioned building that awareness and those the habits of personal development, these useful uh, systems in your life. But for people who are on their journey quitting gaming, how do they make sure that they follow through with what they want to do? And how do they make sure that they actually build their life into something they can be proud of instead of just existing or going about their everyday life, doing what they're doing and not really changing too much? Uh, yeah, I, the two aspects that I would really recommend. So the first one, as we've already talked about, of um, doing that, sitting down and writing goals or a task list um, every day. So I, I sat down um, with a couple of life coaches um, that you sit there and worked out what I want to achieve over my life. And then you break that down into smaller tasks that you can work on every day. Um, so then instead of when you get to the end of the day, you realize that I haven't you know, I feel like I haven't achieved anything or nothing's changed. I'm still getting these cravings. And you can at least look at a, your, your task that you know that's feeding into your long-term goal and see that you yeah, have made progress in that area. Um, so that was one that I felt really pushed me to continue to keep improving. And the other one is journaling. Um, I can't overest- uh, underestimate, uh, sorry, can't explain enough or emphasize enough how much journaling helps. Um it helps at a minimum of really just getting your thoughts out. Um, I always used to call them like mind pretzels. I used to get a lot of mind pretzels that <laughs> used to frustrate me a lot. And just writing them out um, really uh, helped you come up with some solutions and some plans. And by the time I'd finished writing them, I'd written, I'd had three or four action points to, to solve them or I came back to what the intent was in that in that scenario. Um and then when every make it a routine that every week or every month to go back and have a look at those journal entries and to see how much you've changed and how much you've improved over that last month. Because um, human nature is that 
you know, if we're not perfect at something straight away, we want to give up or we think it's pointless. Mm-hmm. But we know that it's not going to be perfect straight off the bat. So if you just go back and look at, okay, yeah, this month I, I slipped up once or twice, um, but last month I slipped up four times. So, you know, I'm improving in that aspect. And that's a good journaling and, and look, keeping those old to-do lists is a good way to chronicle your improvement, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a hugely important thing to do, getting your thoughts out. Did you journal in a book or online? Or um, I did online initially, so for the detox, um, mainly because uh, I, I really wanted to engage with other people who were going through similar things, um, which yeah, I think... Was that on, the, uh, on the forum? That's correct, yep. And I think my journal's still up there as well. Um, but since the detox, I've moved to uh, handwriting. So now I handwrite everything. I did trial a few times with running offline journals on my computer, but I just really felt it was not the same. Um, and now I, I handwrite everything out at the end of the day. And I find it a really relaxing way just to sit down with a cup of tea and into the work day and just journal on my, my notes. And then um, that way I'm holding in an A4 and A5 book and when I'm wandering around or got a spare moment, I can just flick through them a lot easier than I could on the computer. Yeah, there's something about pen and paper that's quite therapeutic, I think. And just getting more time away from screens in general, I think is always a good thing to do. Have you found yourself being more mindful of your other technology use? So not just your consoles or computer or whatever, but your phone, uh, TV or... Yeah, I definitely have. Um, I think uh, Ken Juliet made a comment on a podcast he did um, a while ago, I think with James Albature or whatever you say his name, where he said once you disconnect yourself from something, the more aware you become of it. Um, And so when I started disconnecting myself from being on a computer, I started becoming aware essentially of how much time people were spending on technology. So then slowly started trying to bring in rules with stuff like my smartphone. So I'd come home from work and I'd make sure I put my phone somewhere like that I wasn't carrying it around so I wouldn't just constantly flick at it. Um, And then that dovetailed into um, watching TV as well. So now I don't watch TV at all. Um, I really avoid watching TV as much as I can. Um, And then uh, with my phone, uh, I don't have anything, you know, other than the basics on it and what that – but what that's also done is it also makes you aware of how much time other people spend on it. Um, and that was an initial challenge for me as well is that I allowed myself to get quite frustrated when I'd hear people say how busy they were, but you'd see them spending so much time on their phones. Um, so that was an, a very learning, interesting very learning curve for me as well. But yeah, I definitely have flowed that on into every other aspect that I have now. And uh, I try to, avoid it all as much as possible and, and revert back to books and going outside and that kind of stuff and just being in the moment. It's it's surprisingly how fulfilled that you can be by just being in the, in the moment rather than trying to escape with your phone. Yeah, it's such an important step to take going from your current lifestyle to living in the moment and really appreciating what you have, what's around you. Separating yourself from technology, I think, plays a huge part in that, or at least plays a helpful part in it anyway. I think one of the important things you touched on, or at least the way I see it, is that you shouldn't try and take away everything at once. Or don't try and do too much to start with. So don't say, I'm going to quit gaming, I'm going to quit my phone, I'm going to quit social media, I'm going to quit TV. Like you said, you quit gaming and then became more aware of everything else going on. Yeah, definitely. 
You also don't, um, by removing everything at once, you won't know which is the most effective as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just remove one thing at a time and you'll find it a lot easier to do that transition um, because while you might be, you know, challenged with not giving up games um, by removing, you know, having access to computer altogether or, or watching content altogether, you'll suddenly feel very disconnected, I think, um, which will find, make it a lot harder. Um, but if you yeah. do it slowly and over a longer period of time, like over that 90 days or beyond, um, you'll just incorporate it into your way of life uh, and then suddenly you probably won't even notice or it won't even be an issue for you to, to drop out that 30 minutes a day on, on TV or, or on your phone because it's just something that you do now. Definitely. I got an interesting question recently and I didn't really know how to answer it. <laughs> so, so I wanted to bring it up on here to see uh, to see what your thoughts are. Why do you think you are so drawn to video games as opposed to TV or your phone or even something more serious like alcohol perhaps? What do you think it was about video games that was so addictive for you? It's, uh, it's funny you ask that question. I kind of had a gut feeling that you might have might ask me something similar to this. <laughs> um, I think it, it's really the interaction element for me uh, or for me. Um, so... Uh, I when I was younger, I, I, my brain's always gone a thousand miles an hour. And when I was younger, I had ADHD, um, so I always feel like some like if I'm not doing something, I'm not going a thousand miles an hour. Then uh, I'm, I feel like I'm wasting time or I'm idle. Um, so when I was watching TV, yeah, it's TV, but it's not giving you the itching, that scratch of having you men- being mentally stimulated all the time. Um, whereas gaming, where you, you only you only go as quick as you want and it'll go as fast as you want. So if you want to be mentally stimulated all all the time and you want to have different elements and challenging different aspects and, you know, trying to manage different, um, like even resources and time and, and your senses, then, you know, it's there's limitless opportunities. Um, and I think that's what really hooked me in because um, then if you switch from there to trying to get that same impact through your social life, like, People want to go home and people want to do their own thing. So they're not going to be there all the time. And your favorite TV shows are not always going to be on TV and they've probably got ads in them anyway. So all the other all the other avenues um, really felt a lot less. Um, with the alcohol and stuff, I n- never really got into that heavily. Like I went through a phase where I did drink a lot, but um, I never got into it at a young age to set that foundation for needing it. Um, so it wasn't that hard or that was not something that I considered. It's more of a, a social thing versus uh, an escape for me, I guess. It's a much better answer than I gave when uh, <laughs> when I was asked that question because I had no idea. But thinking back, it, it really is the idea that gaming stimulates so many senses. It's It can be social if you want it to be. It can be immersive. It can be fast-paced and high energy. Depending on what you want, there's something, there's a game for you, basically. There's so many games out there no matter what you want to do there's uh, there's always something to fill your time there's always another game always another turn always another thing to do it's, it's not like tv where you just turn it on relax for a bit and a couple of hours later eventually you either go to bed or you uh, if you watch it for too long you might just pass out i don't think i could see myself watching tv for 16 hours straight it's just not the same at all no, I don't think anyone would have a problem with being addicted to TV for those reasons. <laughs> yeah. 
We have a lot of parents in our community who struggle to get help with either themselves or their child or their loved ones gaming. Um, is there anything that you think that they should know if their significant other is spending a lot of time playing games? We had a lot of complaints that people's husband or boyfriend, whatever it might be, is neglecting their family life. What do you think is the best way for them to go about dealing with a loved one or a, a relative that's going through what you might have gone through in the past, neglecting to spend time with your son or your daughter, choosing to spend that time playing video games instead? How do they make that shift or how do they be more accommodating to be more understanding and really help you through that process? Um, I mean, it's a really good question. Um, I don't think there's a uh, a silver sol- silver bullet solution or an easy one stop fits all solution for it. Um, it. The only thing I would say, or the main thing I'd like to say, would be uh, avoid giving ultimatums. Uh, ultimatums uh, always are lose lose um, because um, you're the person that you're putting it to is going to feel like you're basically cutting something off that they enjoyed, um, and then they will resent, have some kind of resentment um, no matter what decision gets made. Um, Instead, the approach that I would take um, really is to build your awareness of it. Um, And coming back to that previous discussion we had about um, getting, having that detox flow in the rest of my life and then becoming aware of everyone else and how much they use it. Um, One of aspects of that was my partner um, because I became very aware of how much they were using their phone in front of the kids, um, which I didn't want to influence them in future life. And so it simply is a case of building their awareness and just saying, hey, do you realise this is what what you're doing in front of people? Do you realise this is the impact it's having? Like when I'm trying to engage with you in a conversation, I, I feel like you're not present because you're staring at your phone or I feel like you're not uh, answering answering me or, or having, you know, truthful conversations because you're not giving me 100% attention. And if you start with something like that to really just open the door to, to start working on that awareness, and then once you've got that little way in, I guess, is just continue to build that to have a conversation of, okay, do you now know that by spending two to three hours a day or, or more on, on your computer, that's two or three hours you're not spending with me or not spending with your family or with friends and, you know, they, they're now saying that they don't see you very much or, you know, they start to say they feel disconnected from you. Um, and I think that will get the traction that you want. Um, yeah, it, I just, I mean, I just can't reiterate enough that going in hard and saying ultimatums or saying, you know, it's me or this or you must cut it all out, I think it's not going to have a great outcome. It's more a case of you've got to want, make them want to give up and the way to do that easily is going to be working on that awareness. Um, and it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's not going to be an instant thing. Um, but if you work on it slowly and keep at it um, and slowly build that awareness, then I think you'll get someone who uh, have more buy-in and feel like they want to give up more than someone is directing them to give up. That's a fantastic answer. <laughs> I couldn't have put it better myself. As a parent i assume you've put quite a lot of thought into how you're going to manage your child's relationship with technology as they get older have you thought about whether you're going to introduce them to video games or to phones at a young age 
Yeah, uh, and yeah, I, I have. I've uh, spent a lot of time thinking about it and talking about it with my family, um, mainly because I think part of the reason that foundations are set for me to want to play games so much is because I was introduced to it so early. Um, so I don't really want to do that to my uh, to my son. Um, and I initially was like, oh, look, let's just introduce him to it and control that timing. Or, you know, as you see everyone out there, they, they control the screen time or, you know, whatever else they want to call it. Um, and it really just didn't eventuate. It didn't work out for us. All it resulted is, is in a lot of tantrums and a lot of arguments. Um, so at the moment, we don't have any screen time. Um, but we don't tell him um, that he can't have it. So it's a case of, uh, uh, if you've heard the Freakonomics podcast, um, Steve Dubner's co-host made a comment once where he said, um, I don't want my kids to want for anything, but I want them to want the right things. Um, so that's the concept of the policy that I, I try to take with my son is I don't want him, I want him to have whatever he wants or whatever he wants to do, but my job now is to make sure he wants the, to do the right things. Um, so when I say, by that I mean I don't tell him there is no screen time and you can't have anything and I don't intend to give you technology, but I want you to have more of a balanced life and use technology and screens for what they should be for, and that is you know education and, and personal and professional development. So every time he asks for it or he wants it or uh, in the future when he work, works for it, it'll be a case of suggesting him better alternatives to, to work out, okay, what do you want to do? Do you really just want to have fun today or do you want to relax today? Or rather than doing that in front of a screen, how about we go do a do something interesting together or do you re, uh, or you want the screen because you want to read or you want to study, then yet yeah, you can do that as well or you can achieve that through a book. So just giving him options more than anything else Um I'm not saying that's going to work, but um, that's just the, the, the way that we're going to approach it and see how it goes. Yeah, I think that's a great approach to go with because at the end of the day, kids just, they don't really know the difference. They just want to have fun and they can find endless ways right, of, yeah. of having fun. You can give them a stick or <laughs> a spoon, anything. They'll uh, They'll find something to do with it. And I think, like you said, I was the same way. I was introduced to gaming at such a young age maybe three or four years old for me. I don't know what it was for you. Would have been very similar, yeah. Yeah, it's when you have that stimulus at such a young age, it's not that you don't find the joy in other things when you're a kid. You don't really know the difference. But as you get older, you start to see gaming as such an easy solution to get your fix of fun and entertainment and excitement that there's no reason for you to turn to anything else, I guess. I think an important thing for parents to realize as well i don't know how you plan on going about this but when they get older and obviously go to school and uh, college and whatnot there's going to be a lot of social pressure to play video games yeah at least there's, there's a huge amount now especially with Fortnite and people getting bullied for not having cosmetic items in the game being labeled as defaults i don't know what the best way to approach that is because it can obviously be very hard as a parent to say no when all their friends want to play games. Have you thought that far and ahead, or are you just going to take it one step at a time? Um, no, as much as I haven't. Um, I've been listening to uh, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, so I mentioned I'll mention them quite a lot. But another one I listened to was Parenting Mojo, which talks about it a little bit. But I think the main aspect that they mention is um, we really can't underestimate the importance of or so the 
peer pressure that kids get as they go through school. And as much as we, as parents and as older people, sit back and go, "Well, just don't do it," or "Just don't buy it," as you know, just tell them to go away. Um, it's not that easy. Um, I don't know at this stage how I'm going to approach that, but what I hope to to have is just really have some good dialogue um, with him, um, rather than him bottling it up and not telling me why, you know, and saying, you know, he's being bullied or he's getting stuff like that or getting that kind of pressure rather than bottling up and trying to deal it with himself. Um, I really hope that until that point I can establish an environment for him that he feels comfortable talking to me about it so I can help him work through it um, and maybe use my experience to, to show that, you know, peer pressure is not a big deal um, while it might feel uncomfortable in the short term, um, in the long term, it's it's not important. That again, that's just how I'm looking at it now. But it's definitely something that I have to think about a bit more over the next couple of years and when he approaches that age. And it might come around sooner. I think, like I would have thought that I need don't, don't need to have that conversation. He's 13, but I think these Fortnite kids are now like five and six, aren't they? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy um, the way it's taken over. Do you think you'll ever tell him you're addicted to gaming? Um, I think I don't want to have any secrets from him. I think definitely I'll tell him how much of an impact I have, and I'll especially dovetail into that conversation when, if he wants to buy all that stuff and and to being pressured by his friends, is I'll explain to him how influential it's, it was on me and how impactful it was on me. Um, I don't intend to hide anything from him, so that conversation will definitely come up. I think I'll be very careful, probably how I articulate it to him, um, but. Yeah. Uh, I definitely will hope that my experience in, um, will be can be used to his advantage in some way. Yeah, I seem to remember a study saying that you're much more likely to become addicted to something if your father has an addictive personality. And that's something I've come to realize as I've grown up. It's very easy for, at least it was very easy for my dad to get engrossed in things. I still see it now with uh, certain things, whether it's through his work or hobbies. And that's something that I definitely inherited whether i actually inherited it through genes or just through personality traits i'm not sure but i've got a very addictive personality whether it's gaming or starting a new skill i get really uh, involved with it and have you seen cases of an addictive personality in yourself or in other aspects of your life oh yeah 100 percent um I was just thinking then when you were saying it, trying to think of what my personal life I saw in like that moment. I don't think I have, but um, yeah, definitely in, in me, uh, yeah, I'm a hundred all or nothing kind of guy. Uh, and I have joked with Cam a few times that I need to do a game quitters spin off called Running Quitters um, when <laughs> yeah. it's ready time for me to move on from running. Um, but no, I definitely am 100% or nothing on everything I do. It has its pros and cons. It's very useful and stuff like at work or professional development and it's not so useful in stuff like you know um, recreation and that kind of thing so uh it's yeah it's it's one that i'll have to make sure i'd i'd like to make sure i don't pass on to him but again if i can use my experience and and awareness of it to his advantage somehow then uh, i think i'll win so yeah that's a great way of putting it i think we're going to be wrapping up in a minute but to close in the past, you mentioned during your detox, you expressed this feeling of wondering whether you are actually doing the right thing, whether quitting gaming is the best step for you, whether it's what you should really be doing. Just to close out, what would you say to that now? 
It's definitely the right decision. Um, if I could go back uh, two years ago or even longer, let, but let's say, you know, minimum two years ago and say to myself then uh, and show them uh, what I've achieved in these two years, um, I guarantee I did not, would have not have thought back in the day I could run uh, an ultra marathon and now, you know, I've done two of them. It, trying to explaining that to him would have been the, would make him realize that it was the right decision to make for sure. Um, I think part of what was making me hesitate a little bit from giving up and thinking it was the right decision is because I thought it would impact a lot of my social connections. Um, a lot of my closest friends um, were big gamers um, and, and still are, um, and I thought that might impact them because I wouldn't have anything to talk to them about, um, and therefore is it the right decision to make? Um, but I can say two years on it has had no impact with my friends at all um i simply let them know that it's not something that i'm interested in anymore and and just always changed the topic and came up with different stuff uh, to talk about and it, it's been fine and i've had no impact at all i haven't felt like i've lost any friends in fact i've probably gained more and the relationships that i do have are a lot closer because instead of only seeing them every now and again because the priority was to for me to get home and look at a screen the priority now is i would like to talk to them and see what's going on in their lives so the connections I do have are a lot stronger. And so I think, you know, those two aspects that the social development and my personal development, uh, 100% was the right decision. And, and I'd go back and tell him they shouldn't doubt himself at all and just get on with it. I think it's a great message to send back to the past. No idea what I'd tell myself. <laughs> Stop being an idiot. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for your time, man. It's been a fantastic episode. It's been a ton of useful advice. I think a lot of people will find helpful. Whether you're in the middle of your journey to quit gaming, whether you're a parent, there's a ton of useful information in there. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. I hope to uh, have you on again in the future, if uh, if you're willing. <laughs> yeah, of course. And look, if anyone does want to talk to me or, or want to discuss anything with me about my experience or how or their experiences, um, I'm always lurking on the forums. Um, I don't post as much these days, um, but I do still read it. I have alerts set up on my email, so um, feel free to drop me a line and uh, I'll be more than willing to have a chat to you and see what I can do to help. And what's your username on the forums? Uh, giblets. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you're Giblets. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. didn't realize. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Forum legend, I guess. Yeah, I've been around a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks so much, man. And uh, all the best. Nice. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Gaming the System, the number one podcast on gaming addiction brought to you by Game Quitters. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure to share it around to family members, friends, or anyone you think could benefit. And don't forget to leave a review. It's super helpful. Check us out on social at Game Quitters Everywhere. And if gaming addiction is affecting your life, we recommend having a look at our guide on the website. It's gamequitters.com forward slash respawn if you're a gamer and gamequitters.com forward slash reclaim if you're the parent or loved one of an addict. The important thing is not to lose hope and remember, real life is always worth fighting for. See you in the next episode.